uh, let's thank the Lord. Dear Lord God, we're grateful for this morning. We're grateful for each other. And thank you for the joy we have in your son. And in this faith, we'd ask that you'd make things clear to us. In your son's name, amen. Um, it's the week before Christmas. Um, this is not even close to a Christmas sermon. I'll see what happens on Christmas Day. But we're in Amos, where we're not often, to be frank. Um, Amos is a one of those Old Testament books that's got a lot of quotable portions that you'll remember. Not a lot. It's only nine chapters, but... Um, You've heard things out of Amos. When it's quoted in the New Testament, at least one time we're going to cover today, it's not told who said it. You know, one of the prophets said that sort of thing. We don't know much about this guy. Amos, we know, was a, a, a farmer, a, a fig grower, sycamore arborist of some sort. Doesn't seem like he was a pro. Um, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And this is during the reign of Jeroboam II um, of, of Israel and uh, Uzziah of Judah. So we're dealing with 750 B.C. Same time frame as uh, Jonah. Jonah is functioning at this time. Um, and uh, maybe Hosea. But we don't know much else about Amos. Uh, we don't know what time frame, although at the beginning of the book it says something to the effect of uh, during the reign of uh, Jeroboam, which is, happens to be like 40 years. So it doesn't really narrow it down for us. Um, but that puts you in the end of the Assyrian domination. Again, one of these days I'm going to get like a real church of a projector, and I'll put a map, and it'll show it right on there, and I'll be able to have a laser pointer, because real churches have those too, and I'll point to where Tiglath-Pileser III came out of Syria, and so forth, and Neo-Assyria dominated the Palestinian area at this point. Um, Syria, the country, as uh, Bashar al-Assad, who currently rules it, had been taken down by Assyria at this point. But the Assyrian force hadn't come into Israel yet, which is just south of Syria, and let alone Judah. And that happened sequentially after this. And Assyria basically beats up on everybody, and then uh, the Babylonians take over at Nebuchadnezzar. So we're before Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel and Ezekiel, Jeremiah, those guys. So these are uh, earlier prophets. Um, Amos is one of these earlier prophets. Now, this is the last, what we're looking at is the last chapter of Amos, uh, Amos 9. And um, I had been looking at it, well, as I came into the library the other night, and I had Amos open on my lap, not because I was preparing, but because there was a certain verse that had been drawing my attention for a while. And it was that, looking at that verse and the rest of Amos is what basically made me think of this. But basically, Amos is a uh, taking a shot 
at uh, where is Amos? Um, all these different nations. If you started at the beginning of the book, first chapter, if you have a Bible, uh, verse 3 of the first chapter, Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. I'll give you an example there on the left-hand side. But then in verse 6, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Verse 9, for three transgressions of Tyre, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Verse 11, for three transgressions of Edom, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Verse 13, for three transgressions of the Ammonites, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Chapter 2, verse 1, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. But then he gets into, oh, these are all pagan nations, right? We're cool with that. Prophets generally do that. Chapter 3, verse 4, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. And he gets to Israel in verse 6. Basically everybody. All, everyone is going to catch it. Now, this is Christmas time, so I'm going to try to try to say some things Macy's, which my wife loves, their slogan at this time of year is believe. I guess in the bottom line of Macy's, but believe, written in a loopy rose round script at a slant that makes you think I should believe in Santa and the deals at Macy's. <laughs> But what it, we, we get it on our cards. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We, we know that we're supposed to feel like everyone, not just Jews, everyone is included in Christianity. Yes, that is true. But as that has trickled out into the world, it has become accept everyone. Not everyone is welcome in Christianity. That means everyone has to be welcome to you in the, your mind with their views unchanged. What Amos starts out with through, and then goes through the book, just bringing the wrath of God down on everybody until he gets into trouble with the priesthood, is let you know he cares about primarily, he's got this broad international cosmopolitan concern for sin. Not a cosmopolitan concern for all cultures because, you know, yellow, what's the song? Black, yellow, little kid song. I, the order, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And also damnable in his sight for their sins. That's not included in the song. But it's included in Amos. For he will not revoke the punishment. Now the reason I'm stressing this is not to say, Evan, it's fine that you're not preaching a Christmas sermon. You're making sure I'm not going to be here next week. But you don't have to kick us when we're down. I don't have to, but I want to. 
In chapter 9, I saw the Lord. This is the last chapter of Amos. I saw the Lord standing beside the altar. And he said, smite the capitals until the thresholds shake. And shatter them on the heads of all the people. And what are left of them I will slay with the sword. Not one of them shall flee away. Not one of them shall escape. Though they dig into shale, from there shall my hand take them. Though they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. Does that remind you of Psalm 139? I think somewhere. So it's Psalm 139. I have it marked here. If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there thy hand shall lead me. Be very much more positive, you know, relational in Psalm 139, God's knowledge. But here Amos is leaning into them. Though they hide themselves at the top of Carmel, from there I will search out and take them. And though they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent and it shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, so even if the worst happens, what could be the worst? The French defeat the United States in pitch battle. I mean, the chagrin. And we're being caught up, we're marched away in captivity. Oh, a confused look on Evan's face, because he doesn't understand what just happened. Even though you go into captivity before their enemies, there I will command the sword, and it shall slay them. It's not good enough that you just get dragged away by the Assyrians. You get dragged away by the Babylonians. <coughs> You're not just getting time in jail. I'll kill you there too. God says, I'm going to kill you everywhere. You can go anywhere. You can go to heaven. You can go to hell. You can go to the bottom of the sea. You can go to the top of the mountain. I'm going to find you. What's the he's Liam Neeson on you, right? I'm going to find you, and I'm going to kill you. And Merry Christmas. The Lord, God of hosts, he who touches the earth and it melts, and all who dwell in it mourn, and all of it rises like the Nile and sinks again like the Nile of Egypt, who builds his upper chambers in the heavens and founds his vault upon the earth, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out upon the surface of the earth. The Lord is his name. Now, I want to remind you, every time that does that, see capital L-O-R-D, it's Yahweh is his name. It's actually telling you his name. It's not telling you the Lord is his name. The Lord isn't his name. That's one dumbest thing. I don't understand it. But there it is. Yahweh is his name. Recognize who you're dealing with. You want to step away from that charming red post box in Macy's that says believe off of it. And where you feel that you're kind of a person who kind of believes in stuff. Western American courier and Ives, fruitcake. Because that's what we Americans send to each other when we're mad. We, we, we love all those things, you know. It's a wonderful life. It's, uh, what else is a Christmas time stuff? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Baby, it's cold outside. You know, fornication. That's a song about, it. never mind. 
I'm feeling, I'm feeling prophetic this morning. Now what I want you to know is that God, God's a, got a different thing going. I want you to think about <coughs> we don't belong together in humanity because we're humans. We don't belong together because isn't it great that all your cultures are charming and, and though your people may wear castanets when you dance, your people or have funnier steps when you dance, or have different kinds of weddings when you wed. That's not what we're about. The line between people is one of sin. Not one of nationality, culture, acceptance, or other. That's when, when I'm looking at this passage, the passage I was looking at is this next verse. Two verses, yeah, next verse. Are you not like the Ethiopians to me, O people of Israel, says the Lord? Which is just a strange verse to a Jew. What do you mean, just like an Ethiopian? What do you mean, just like, aren't we the chosen people? The Lord's saying, hmm, you're just like the Ethiopians to me. Did I not, this is the verse, did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? And the Jews go, yes. Uh, you remember that phrase in the Old Testament? Behold, I am the God that led you up out of the land of Egypt. We saw the movie, The Ten Commandments, and Charlton Heston does his number on the water, and all the German, what do they call Germans? Egyptians died in the, in, the, in the flood. Jews, Germans, Jews, Egyptians, whatever you... Did I not bring up Israel from the land of Egypt? Says God to you, and the Jews are feeling, yes, but didn't you just say the Ethiopians are just like us? And then the Lord says, and the Philistines from Kaftor, and the Syrians from Kir. So, big whoop. The Philistines of all people, not just the Ethiopians, if you have any racial sensitivities, but the Philistines. We hate the Philistines. Hate them. They're awful. They're at war since time immemorial when Samson was killing them left and right. The Philistines came into the Levant in, I think I've mentioned this in church before, so if it's old news to you, uh, part of the Sea People's migration in 1200 BC, right around the time Troy fell. Um, a major migration out of the Black Sea, Asia Minor, Crete, which is Kaftor. Um, and the, uh, the coastal regions, huge tribes of people, the, uh, the Danoi, the, uh, uh, the uh, what are some of the names, are? the Wekalesh, no, I'm not making that up, uh, Sardana, uh, the, uh, the Peliset, the Peliset ended up being the Philistines. The Peliset were part of this migration, and as it came down the coast of uh, Palestine in 1200 it, it, uh, five lords of the Philistines settled in the five cities of the Philistines with Gaza, Gath, Ashkelon Ashdod and Ekron then they moved on to Egypt got defeated by the Egyptians then moved west to the Mediterranean major migration in 1200 BC and God saying you know back in 1447 when I brought you up out of the land of Egypt big whoop I brought the Philistines out of Kaftor I brought the Syrians out of Kir. 
And you're just like the Ethiopians to me. Now this could just be a passage where a prophet is trying to kick him in the shins, make him feel low. But this is something... This is something he's trying to get across that is quoted in the New Testament. Verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord God are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from the surface of the ground, except I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob, says the Lord. For lo, I will command and shake the house of Israel among all the nations, as one shakes with a sieve, but no pebble shall fall upon the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, who say, evil shall not overtake or meet us. So he's basically letting you know that I want you to be thinking that it's not the ground of who you are. Are you Ethiopian, Philistine, Syrian, Israelite? And we don't remedy it by saying, oh, let's all hold hands, kumbaya moment. We'll all sing about, you know, we are family. Who did that? Sly in the Family Stone? What? Sister Sledge. Roy, you should have known that. He was a disc jockey. Um, What the distinction is, is a distinction of sin. God is looking at all men throughout this book and saying, Damascus, Edom, Tyre, Israel, Judah, everybody's a sinner, and the soul that sins shall die. And then he promises that not all of, I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. In verse 11 it says, In that day I will rise up, raise up a booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the nations who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this. That's quoted in Acts 15 by, the, uh, by James, Bishop of Jerusalem. I have it here on the left-hand side. After they had finished speaking, this is the moment when they're analyzing at the, uh, the, the Jerusalem Council what their decision is regarding the Gentile mission. And James is reacting to this. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, as it is written, After this I will return, and I will rebuild the dwelling of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, I will set it up that the rest of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who has made these things known from of old. That's more of a Septuagint reading. But he lets you know that what Amos is talking about when he's looking at all the nations is, I'm making a distinction not between people group, not between culture, not between skin color, not between language, but between sin and not sin. Seeking God and not seeking God. Earlier in the book, it tells you in chapter 5 to seek the Lord. Seek good and not evil. That's the... I'm telling you this because I want you to be clear about the dividing line in people. Do you want the righteous Lord or not? Not do you want God to make us into a kind of a kingdom, a, a cultural group that is predominantly 
the white Anglo-Saxon and Protestant. You want that or versus white Scots and Protestant? What do you want? German and Protestant? Well, as long as it's Protestant. <coughs> what do we want? What kind of ground do we want to belong to? God wants to punish all the sinners. He's, that, 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 old, that Christmas card thing. Uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth toward men, right? You know the rest of that verse. With whom he is pleased. It's peace on earth to people God's pleased with. Not peace on earth to go, people who God is not pleased with. People don't get peace because we're just, we all deserve a participation trophy and we're all human beings, isn't it great? And, and we're wicked. Man has sinned. We don't think we'll get, even get caught. What, is it, what does it say? I'm going to destroy the sinners, uh, those who say, um, where's the, the passage? Um, Evil shall not overtake us or meet us. We will not face calamity. People in this world go out in this town and sin with a sense of impunity that somehow there is no cost to this. And we need to remind ourselves, we need to remind our friends that that is a distinction that makes a difference. That is where the judgment of God falls. God accepts everyone by grace. God accepts every sin for forgiveness. But he doesn't accept every sin. And he doesn't accept everybody. Because they don't come to him. He's not one of the Gentiles that has come to him for that purpose. You want to say, if God is going to judge the nations... But he's going to make room, as James said, for the Gentiles who are called by my name. How do I make that distinction? Since he's going to judge the Gentiles and the Jews, and he's going to forgive some of the Jews and some of the Gentiles. Who is that? What's the, what's the line? God is obviously not a respecter of person. When, when Peter uh, reports or reacts to uh, uh, Cornelius's um, story in chapter 10 of Acts is that Peter opened his mouth and said truly I perceive that God shows no partiality now if you took that verse it would sound like a coexist bumper sticker and God is not a coexist bumper sticker sort of God I hope none of you have the coexist bumper sticker but in every nation Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. That's what God's looking for. The ground of you belonging to him is not that you exist. No, that you exist and you have sought him. You exist and you do what is right. You exist and you fear God. That you're placing your hand beneath his feet. You're saying, this is my Lord. People who say, nothing's going to overtake me for what I do. I'm going to get away with it. No one's going to know. But God is building something different. 
when James recognizes that Amos is talking about the Gentile mission, he's not talking about rebuilding Israel as an actual nation where all the Gentiles are going to come back to Palestine and become Jews. Some people still think that that's what's on the... That's in the, in, the, in the cards. Either the Jews all do it or all the Christians become Jewish in their practices. But no, it's the kingdom of God that is distinct about morality. We have been made a peaceful people. We have been made, it says, verse 13, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper, it's a great image. That the season of growing is so fast that the guy plowing the field is going to overtake the guy who's reaping the field. You're getting lapped in agriculture. And the tea treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. These are exaggerations, folks. This is hyperbole. This is an image that an agricultural economy looking at it goes, wow, that fast, that kind of rotation. But it's going, no, that's not really. We're not looking at Israel at some point in history where the crop rotation is so fast that the plow is almost catching up with the combine. That's not what he's arguing. He's not claiming that out on the hills of Israel, sweet wine is flowing down the down the streams. He says, I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine. And they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land which I have given them, says the Lord your God. The thing is, God in a number of other times beat the snot out of them and dragged them out of the land. Matter of fact, at the end in 70 AD, he destroyed Jerusalem entirely, destroyed the temple, drove Israel and Judah into the, the nations, and they still don't have a temple. They were plucked up. That promise is not one of political, cultural gains. This is what James was talking about. Was This is about the Gentiles who call on the Lord, who are called by my name. People identified by God as his people. Because there's no difference between, in God's sight between the Ethiopian and the Jew. There's no difference between the Philistine and the Jew. The Syrian and the Jew. Because God is caring not about your culture, your, your legal system, your language, your skin color. As I sound like a, you know, a Presbyterian liberal. But no, he cares about sin and righteousness. And when he finds in you the person he is not going to slay, everybody who's guilty, they're going to catch it. Everybody will receive good or evil, for that which they have done, whether it be good or evil. Whether they are on the good list, the bad list, Satan type of behavior, or God type of behavior. Whatever it is you're going to do, 
that's how you're qualifying for whatever list. But God is willing to forgive and work with and build a kingdom and build a place, if you want to think of it as a place, where you shall never be plucked up out of the land again. So what's the kingdom in your mind? When you look at Christ's teaching in the Gospels, um, what's the kingdom of God? It says in Luke, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is like this. The kingdom of God is like that. Because that's the kingdom you're promised. Most of you are Gentiles. We are here, we're, we're sitting in a church building in North Idaho because 2,000 years ago, and then add another 750 years to that, 2,000 years ago, 2750, Amos said that the Gentiles, the nations who are called by his name, are going to be redeemed by God, and they're going to be placed in a situation out of which it'll be very good and out of which they'll not be dislodged. What's your promised land? What's your kingdom? Do you tend to want to have earthly kingdoms for your religion? And what does it look like? And can I avoid being invited? I don't want to join earthly kingdoms of religion. You want to find a body of believers who said, this is, this is sin and righteousness. The kingdom of God is for the righteous of those who seek the righteous. And that's what he's building. That's what's going to be immovable for you. And it's going to involve people from every, every nation, every time frame, every culture. I have some verses here at the bottom, off the early parts of Amos. Ch uh, chapter 3, 3. It's a great section, but uh, it says the phrase you probably remember. Do two walk together unless they have made an appointment? So I'm, I'm, I'm giving you these, but not just to get quotable quotes from Amos, so you can go home and put them on your refrigerator. No, this is about this question, that you step into the kingdom of God on the issue of righteousness and sin. That's what the thing is. Do you, the people you hang with, the spiritual company you keep, two don't walk together unless they're agreed. You don't meet each other, unless you've made an appointment. And the appointment, you have to agree. You ever have a friend who always subtracts or adds a half an hour to the time that you said, oh, I thought you said 11.30. And they were still late for 11.30. Well, you can't get together with those people. Matter of fact, you decide you don't ever want to get together with those people. Because they don't believe that the agreement matters or that you can find real agreement. You're lucky if they say 11.30, they mean today. <laughs> they are evil. Well, you can't get together with a person who doesn't, you might say, make their agreements about the appointments they make. And we are in the, we're trying to be in the company of believers... We want to be in the company of believers, regardless of your doctrine. Because I believe you guys have got some pretty wild doctrine that I have, don't really care. Because I know I have. But we care about the righteousness of God. 
and the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. That's why we're together. We made an appointment. We want to keep that appointment. So make sure that you continue to think about the kingdom of God as an appointment you made with people who cared about righteousness. An appointment you made with people who cared to avoid sin. Another verse in chapter 4, verse 12. This is a famous one. You've heard it. Maybe seen it on a, a billboard. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel. This is after a bunch of nasty things. Because I will do this to you, prepare to meet your God, O, o Israel. That's the phrase you've seen. You ever heard of it? Prepare to meet thy God. That's, you know, not only are we saying, hey, our body of believers and the body of believers uh, is broader than this fellowship where we agree with other saints in town about the pursuit of righteousness. It's not merely a club that those are our standards. We, in this, are preparing to meet God. This is what you step into. You either step into a situation with sin on your conscience where you meet God, or you step into the situation where you have bowed the knee, put your hand under his foot, and you said, you are my God. And you're happy to meet your God. Those that fear him and do what is right, they're acceptable to him. In chapter 5 it says, Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph. In verse 14 of chapter 5, Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you as you have said. All the wonderful things that God has reached out to us in grace to do, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your culture, regardless of your race, regardless of your nationality, your previous religion, all the other things that are out there, how smart you are, how pretty you are, doesn't matter. God has reached out to you if you say, yes, the question in my mind is righteousness and sin. That's the, you, you can't say there is no standard. God is just really open-minded. He just doesn't take the standards wicked people do in going after each other and fighting wars. But he does have his standard. He does say, everybody who sins catches it in the shorts. And people who fear me, people that are called by my name, out of all the nations, he'll build a kingdom out, out of you. He'll build a kingdom that you won't be shaken from. A kingdom that can't be overthrown by the Assyrians. So seek good and not evil, that you may live. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. We as Gentiles, Lord, have, we were without hope or God in the world, and we, we sometimes presume too much about Christendom and our claim on it. Lord, our claim for your mercies, our desire for your mercies, are all based on our acceptance of our sinfulness and your Son's righteousness and his great grace. We ask that you would help us define ourselves by that question. Thank you. In your son's name. Amen. Okay. Hopefully see some of you next Sunday.
You can bring your toys. 